Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Thursday, wherever you may be, across this great country or around the world, potentially. Uh, I'm going to be headed to Australia next week. Maybe I'll meet some Australian readers, uh, listeners, viewers. I don't know. I don't know how many people we got down there. Uh, Next Friday, I'm on the way. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm hanging out with you here uh, Friday, all next week. Uh, Thursday Night Football is back. It's an awful game. I'm on the under tonight. Uh, As a reminder, Pats and Steelers is that game tonight. And uh, I gave out my picks with Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas. I'm on the under in Army-Navy. I like the under in Panthers-Saints. This is the outkick six-pack in the NFL. Colts-Bengals over 39.5. Lions minus the points. Cowboys minus the points. Dolphins minus the points against the Bears, Eagles, and Titans, respectively. That is the outkick six-pack. I'll probably talk about them a little bit more. Uh, tomorrow as we roll into the weekend. Also, I'll give you my gambling picks for the college football bowl games next week right before uh, I head down to Australia. Okay, last night, a lot of you uh, probably are in the grips of the holiday party season. We were at a holiday party. I went for the first hour and then I said, I got to bail. I got to get out. I got to be back home to watch this fourth Republican primary debate. Uh, And I thought it was interesting, illuminating, and also clarifying in some ways. Let me explain. Uh, DeSantis and Vivek, I thought, were clearly the two best performers on the stage. I thought they were cogent. I thought they were clear. They stood out to me. Nikki Haley, who I have been praising the first three debates, I thought had her worst debate of the night. Chris Christie is, to me, done. I think he should drop out and endorse someone else. This was edifying in that sense. Uh, Nikki Haley was also the most attacked on the stage. It seems quite clear that she and Vivek Ramaswamy do not like each other. That's not artificial. That is real. Um, And I thought the most momentous moment of the debate was when Vivek asked her to name the provinces that we were fighting over in Ukraine and she couldn't do it. And then Chris Christie jumped in and tried to protect her as well. Uh, I thought Vivek was the most polarizing. You either love or hate him. I said that I like him. People said, oh, you, uh, why don't you say you love him? Well, I mean, look, I'm a like guy, not a love guy. So I like Vivek. Uh, I understand why he's considered off-putting to some. And I'm going to get to Vivek and the way that Van Jones reacted to him on CNN in a moment. But to me, the other aspect of this is what's going to happen now? We're basically in a race to see who the alternative to Trump is going to be. To me, analyzing this purely from a math-based perspective, I think most of Vivek's support will go to Trump. I think all of Chris Christie's support will go to whoever the Trump alternative is. That's not crazy. I think most of you would nod your heads and say, yeah, that's probably right. Uh, And I think this is the key. So that narrows it down. I think clearly it is uh, Ron DeSantis or it's Nikki Haley as the alternative. Here's my thing. I think most of Ron DeSantis' support would go to Trump if Ron DeSantis were not in the race. Some of you are going to be fired up. The Trump-DeSantis people love to scream at each other on Twitter. I get screamed at by both Trump and DeSantis people. 
Uh, it reminds me of getting yelled at by like Ohio State and Michigan fans simultaneously, uh, even though you're not picking a side on either. But it's just such a uh, such an aggressive uh, disdain right now, such a huge rivalry that if you're not firmly on one side or the other, people are firing at you in both directions. I'm used to it. College football is actually a great preview for what it's like to talk about politics because if you're not all in on one group, then the other they decide you hate them. So anyway, it's fun. Um, but I think most of DeSantis supporters, if Ron DeSantis were not in the race, would support Trump. I think most of Nikki Haley's supporters are never going to go to Trump. And by the way, I said most. So anytime I say something like most, people are like, well, I'm X and I'm not going to do Y. Okay. I didn't say every single one. Social media is amazing because if I said something like, hey, men tend to be stronger than women, right? Most men are stronger than most women. What immediately happens? Somebody comes out and they're like, well, I'm a woman and I'm stronger than you. I can deadlift 450 pounds. Okay, more power to you. That doesn't negate the general proposition with which that I laid out. The anecdote is always cited as the exception that somehow attacks the rule on social media. It doesn't make any sense. Just because, okay, you're a, you're a woman and you're stronger than me. More power to you. I hope your huge bulging lats are uh, the, 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 the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. I hope when you squat, you think to yourself, Screw Clay Travis. He could never squat this much money. More power to you, all right? I'm stronger than most women. Most men are stronger than most women. That's a fact, right? So when I say most Ron DeSantis supporters would otherwise vote for Trump if Ron DeSantis was not in the race, I didn't say all. I said most. I think the majority of Ron DeSantis supporters, probably 60 to 70% of them if Ron DeSantis were not in the election, would vote and support Trump, okay? So, what about Nikki Haley? I don't think most Nikki Haley supporters would ever go to Trump. I think they are in the anti-Trump camp. So, I think if Nikki Haley dropped out, I think most Nikki Haley supporters would go to Ron DeSantis. So, again, this is the math as you break it down. I'm not sure anybody could get over 50% against Trump. I think probably in Iowa and New Hampshire, interestingly, they're not great states for Trump uh, because you have a lot of independents and Democrats who I think will flip over and vote in New Hampshire. And you have a lot of strong religious conservatives in Iowa who don't particularly like Trump. So I think if Trump were going to pick states to start with, I don't think he'd pick Iowa and New Hampshire. I think if I were advising Trump and I was like, okay, what state do you want to start in? I'd be like, West Virginia. I want to go to West Virginia. I want to go to Wyoming. I want to go to Alabama. Maybe my own home state of Tennessee. There's no way we're losing those, right? If the first two Republican primary and caucuses were uh, West Virginia and Wyoming, where Trump won by nearly 40 points in the 2020 election, I'd be like, yeah, Trump's going to be the nominee. But remember, Trump lost to Ted Cruz, Iowa, although it took forever for them to figure out who actually won in Iowa. Uh, and it's never been a dyed-in-the-wool Trump state. He has done well there, 
And I think if he's the nominee, he'll win by 10-plus. But Iowa is a state he could lose. He's never won New Hampshire. Trump narrowly lost New Hampshire in 2016. Remember, New Hampshire was the final rally of his 2016 campaign. He finished off his campaign with a stop in New Hampshire the night before the uh, the official election. I think they did it again in 2020 as an homage to uh, to, to further pay uh, homage to, to that. I think, if I remember correctly, in 2016, Trump read a letter from Bill Belichick at that final rally, uh, New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick endorsing him in 2016. Uh, in 2020, um, Trump lost New Hampshire, but it was not as close as it was in 2016. I lay all that out for this reality. The question now is, okay, we're at the end game scenario. Is Trump capable of being beaten by any candidate out there? And by any candidate, I basically mean Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis in Iowa or New Hampshire. If the answer is yes, then we have a race. If the answer is no, then this thing's going to be over by the end of January. Okay? That's the question. Because I don't think things are going to flip in February. Maybe I'm wrong. Because I think by February, we'll certainly have a 1v1 matchup. I just think right now, the math suggests that Trump has over 50% of the electorate. And even if other people drop out, Trump is going to get some of their support. Uh, so that's the way that uh, that's the way that I would analyze the race as it exists right now. Now, there's a report today uh, that CNN is going to get a debate on January 10th in Iowa and a debate on January 21st in New Hampshire. Uh, I don't know that that's the right decision for Republicans to potentially give the two most significant debates in this cycle to CNN. I think that's worthy of debate. What I do know is that after this debate last night, Van Jones went on CNN, Van Jones, a commentator at CNN, and said he was literally shaking by some of the comments that Vivek Ramaswamy said and said that Vivek Ramaswamy is Nazi-like in his political positions. Now, I, I, I know that many of you out there are like, you got to be kidding me. Let's just give you a little bit of Vivek Ramaswamy's background. He is a, uh, his parents are immigrants. He is uh, wildly successful, entrepreneur, nearly a billionaire, if not already a billionaire, married to a, uh, and also an Indian woman who is a doctor. His wife, Apoorva, I think is her name, super successful. He referenced her during the debate uh, as, as still working full-time as a doctor. They've got two young boys. We've had Vivek on the radio program a lot over the years. Uh, I've read his books. Vivek is, whatever you think about him, I think a good dude, right? Smart guy, super successful. He's not a freaking Nazi. He has nothing in common with Nazis. This obsession with calling people that you disagree with Nazis has always been crazy, but it's particularly crazy right now. We have, and Van Jones referenced Charlottesville, we have legitimate Charlottesvilles happening in American cities everywhere on a daily basis. Jewish people being targeted 
because of their Jewishness, like it was happening in the Holocaust. We just had over a thousand innocent Jewish people slaughtered by Hamas terrorists because they are Jewish. We got college kids all over the place saying, from the river to the sea, calling for intifada, demanding that there be genocide, actually walking around with swastikas at some of these protests, denigrating Jews. And you're going to compare a guy who, by the way, on the stage, just 100% endorsed Israel's ability to defend itself from terrorists? A first-generation immigrant? You're going to call him a Nazi? And you're going to say that you were literally shaking when you heard him talking on the debate stage? I'm sorry. We got to end all of this, okay? Van Jones, if you want to call out people for being Nazis, how about calling out Hamas? How about calling out people who legitimately do not believe in the existence of the Jewish state? Those are as close to modern-day Nazis as we could have. It's not Vivek Ramaswamy. It's not Donald Trump. And to say that you were literally shaking because of his political opinions, we got to end this. First of all, it's a lie. Like, I don't believe that Van Jones was literally shaking when he was watching Vivek Ramaswamy say, we've got to protect the southern border. And we've got to have less people die from fentanyl overdoses. And we have to address the healthcare system so that we're trying to get people healthy as opposed to uh, only treating the sick, right? You weren't literally shaking. This is a lie that somehow has become a trendy thing to say on the left. We got to stop normalizing men and women claiming that they are shaking because somebody said something in a political debate that they don't like. You should literally be shaking if you were living near the border with Hamas and they came and they tried to slaughter your family. That's when you literally should be shaking with fear. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. We got to stop normalizing this idea that somebody says something that you disagree with and oh my goodness, you're shaking. Oh, I'm overcome. I was watching on television and somebody said that we need a stronger border and I'm literally shaking. This is not how adults behave. You should never shake with fear over anything that anybody says in a political debate. You can disagree with it. You can argue against them. You can be a man and recognize that sometimes people say things that you don't like and that's okay. That's how America works. But I was literally shaking. Vivek Ramaswamy is a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. In a time after October 7th, it's been only two months, there are still hundreds of hostages being held by Hamas. They are the closest thing to actual Nazis. More Jews died on October 7th than on any day since the Holocaust. 
if you are under roughly 80 years old, you've never lived before in a time when more Jews have been massacred for being Jews than right now. So it's always been ludicrous to accuse your political adversaries of being Nazis, but in a time where there's actual slaughter of Jews going on, to claim that you were literally shaking because Vivek Ramaswamy sounded like a Nazi, I'm sorry, there are people on the left in this country every single day now marching in cities who sound like actual Nazis and they don't sound anything like Vivek Ramaswamy. So if you want to try to make that analogy, now it's never been easier to point in most of our lives historically to Hamas and say that's what actual Nazis do. They murder innocent Jewish people because they're Jewish. They don't stand on a freaking debate stage and say that we need to protect our southern border and be concerned about the deep state surveillance of many of our American citizens. So, man, Jones, you should be ashamed of yourself. You acted like a total and complete pussy on CNN, which makes me wonder, why is the Republican Party giving CNN January 10th and January 21st debates? Why is CNN being rewarded when they got guys on their television network saying that candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy are Nazis? Van Jones, what a total loser. Um, I thought Chris Christie's campaign ended when he came out and he said that he didn't believe that the government should be involved in any way in stopping minors from getting trans surgeries. I think he's a billion percent wrong on that issue. I don't dislike Chris Christie. He's been on the radio show a lot. He's a big sports fan. I think we'd certainly get along. I haven't met him face-to-face. Be happy to have a beer with him. I think we get along very well. I think he's 100% wrong on this trans-related issue. And I thought Ron DeSantis responded well to it uh, when he said, you don't have the right to commit child abuse. We don't let, in most states, kids get tattoos. The government prohibits it. In fact, in many states, the government can actually hold parents responsible if their kids get tattoos. But we're going to allow kids to chop off their genitals before they're 18 years old, oftentimes leading to them being sterile and unable to have children of their own? No, we're not. I think it is an issue of human rights. I think it is an issue of basic human decency you shouldn't be able to have surgery or take hormones to stop you from hitting puberty before you are 18 years old, right? Uh, To change your gender should not be allowed. That's my opinion. I do think the state has an interest in that. The state doesn't allow you uh, to vote till you're 18. The state doesn't allow you to drink a beer until you're 21. The state often does not allow you to get a tattoo till you're over 18 years old. Heck, many places won't allow you to rent a damn car until you're 25 years old because we don't think you have the responsibility to be able to do so. And we're going to let a 14-year-old chop her boobs off? Sorry, not for it. Shouldn't happen. Should be illegal everywhere. Chris Christie's wrong on that issue, and I think that issue is so integral to current societal uh, issues because I think the trans issue in general is an epitomization of how broken many left-wing policy ideas truly are. Um, I think that Chris Christie is not able to be president of the United States 
not based on his opposition to Donald Trump. He can make whatever argument he wants there, although the Republican Party has overwhelmingly rejected him, but because he's 100% wrong on the trans issue. And I think he should drop out and endorse, probably Nikki Haley is who he's going to endorse, but endorse either Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, start campaigning for them. Um, Harvard, Pennsylvania, and MIT. Harvard, UPenn, and MIT. All of their presidents spoke on campus uh, two days ago and said that they didn't believe that calls for actual genocide on campus violated the student code. Repre- uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik uh, was the one who was leading the charge asking those questions, and good for her because her questions actually clarified how untenable the position of the left has become. Now, let me point this out. I am a 100% defender of the First Amendment. If all of these college presidents want to say, we are not going to penalize any student at all for what they say, no matter how offensive we might find it, I would support that proposition. That would mean, however, that you might have to support someone saying, hey, they're right, not support what they said, support their right to say it. Hey, I think the KKK should be able to march on Harvard's campus. Hey, I think uh, an uh, organization like that should be able to march at Penn or MIT. Because the actual analogy here between people calling for the genocide of Jews and of the historic nature of the KKK is they are uh, advocating for reprehensible ideas. That is, the uh, slaughter, certainly, in the case of the Jews, and uh, the uh, lack of deserving of basic human rights for black people in America, according to the KKK historically. I'm not an expert on what that KKK would advocate for now, because, by and large, KKK really doesn't exist. So, if Harvard's position, and UPenn's position, and MIT is, that calling for the genocide of Jews is acceptable speech until it leads to actual genocide. That is, until a Jewish person is murdered on the campus, there is nothing wrong with calling for genocide on campus. Then you would have to say the same thing about the KKK. I don't think they would say that, right? So if they were just standing on principle, I would say, much like the ACLU historically has done, okay, at least they're being consistent here. But I think what has been very clarifying for many Jewish people, and I I feel bad that they had to learn this in the wake of the awful and indefensible terror attack by Hamas, is that despite thousands of years of oppression, despite the attempted eradication of people who are Jewish based on being Jewish, in modern America, Jews are seen as white. That's, I get it. There's lots of people of different skin colors who are Jewish. That is mostly ignored. Jews are seen as white. And when Jews are seen as white, that means that they are the oppressor. That means that they are the colonizer. That means that they are evil. And the black or brown skin person is oppressed and is colonized. And therefore, Palestine must be supported, not based on anything else other than Palestinians, by and large, are brown-skinned. Jews, by and large, are white-skinned. This is a pernicious racism that has taken root in the United States of America. And Jews now, who overwhelmingly vote Democrat, many of whom have supported BLM, 
have supported LGBTQ, whatever else, additional rights, are suddenly looking around and saying, wait a minute, the coalition that we thought we were a part of actually rejects us because they see Jews not as an oppressed minority group deserving of support, but as white people. And you know what's amazing about this whole Israel conflagration that's currently underway is there's very little actual talk about religion, right? The Palestinians are all Muslims. The Jews, by and large, Jewish. There's very little talk about religion as a motivating factor here in the United States because people don't like to talk about religion, right? Because that becomes more complicated because the Muslim faith is actually incredibly regressive and does not support anyone of a leftist ideology at all because the Muslim faith is actually of the belief that they don't have gay people support in Palestine. They don't support trans people in Palestine. That actually happens in Israel because the Israeli faith is far more welcoming of people of diverse backgrounds. That's the reality. But the way this is characterized in the United States, because we have a broken educational system that has bought into the oppression Olympics, is this is characterized as a white group, Jews, and a brown group, Palestine, and the minority group is aligning itself based on race. And so they lack the tools to recognize that Jews as the victim here are completely innocent because they refuse to accept that any white person could be innocent because white people are evil. And therefore, no matter what Palestine does or what Hamas does, based on their racial stratification, they believe white equals guilty, brown or black equals uh, innocent. And that is what the prism is being taught on college campuses. And a lot of Jewish people are suddenly recognizing this and they're saying, wait a minute, we are being identified as white and we are being seen as the oppressor, as the colonizer, and therefore they can justify anything that is being done to us by Hamas because they see us as the original evil. And this is why ultimately the Identity Politics Coalition has to collapse because Donald Trump was was the epitomization of that evil, right? He is a old white billionaire. He represents everything that the left sees that is wrong with the world. And so they used him as the boogeyman, the ultimate villain. But when you have these two different identity politics coalitions on collision, and when the so-called colonizer and the so-called oppressor, totally broken schematic here, but that's what they believe, when the Jewish person is the villain in that schematic, they lack the ability to acknowledge that evil ever could have been uh, committed by the brown-skinned people because they are good and the white-skinned person is evil. And that's what a lot of Jews out there are recognizing. Suddenly, oh my goodness, what in the world, toxic world, has been created? And I hope that a lot of Jewish people will look around. I hope we can build a new coalition. This is my, this is my entire book's about. I hope we can do build an entire coalition, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, as a meritocracy where we are all judged on our individual worth by, as one man might have said back in the day, kind of a smart guy, Martin Luther King Jr. put it, the content of our character, not the color of our skin. What they are doing now 
is incredibly retrogressive, not progressive at all. They're actually using the color of your skin to justify good or evil on the left in this country today. Think about it, debate it, discuss it, say whatever you want about me, because guess what? I believe in the First Amendment. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I'll see you later.